Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Hello, today I'm going to talk about the teaching that is called the Six Perfections. The Six Perfections. Um, The original word for that is paramita. And I'm not sure if perfection is a good word to use for these, actually, because it, you know, perfection implies all sorts of things. But uh, this is a positive teaching. That is, this is a list of things that we're training in, things we're trying to cultivate, as opposed to uh, a negative teaching, which would be things we're not trying to do. This is things we are trying to do. And it's considered foundational to the Bodhisattva path of Buddhism or the Mahayana or great vehicle of Buddhism. Uh, Cultivating these six things is considered foundational. The six perfections free us from delusion and lead us to awakening. This is, above all else, the path that I really connect with. If we practice the six perfections in our lives then we can be in the awakened state. And this is, to me, the central point of Buddhist practice and really of spirituality in general, maybe. The six paramitas are a teaching of, and again, usually that's translated as perfections, are a teaching of Mahayana Buddhism. They are said to be vehicles that take us from the shore of sorrow to the shore of peace and joy. We are on the shore of sorrow because we experience suffering, anger, depression, and we want to cross over to the shore of well-being and transcendence. Practicing these six things, cultivating these six traits, is said to help us unleash the joy that is within ourselves, that is the center of our being. So um, I've introduce these. So what are they? The six perfections or six paramitas are generosity, virtue, patience, diligence, concentration, and wisdom. And I'll, I'll recite those again. Generosity, virtue, patience, diligence, Concentration and wisdom. So first I'll talk about generosity. People tend to think that this means just giving material things, and that isn't necessarily the case. Um, If you see a homeless person and you give them something, yes, that is generosity. But we can give all sorts of things. We can give our time, our patience, our, our love, our attention. The best gift we can offer is our presence, to be there when someone needs us, to listen when someone needs to talk. When we give our presence to someone that wants it or needs it, we are practicing the perfection of generosity. And we don't, we don't think of that as giving, right? You don't think of it as giving when 
someone has lost a loved one and you call them and you let them vent to you or whatever, you don't think of that as giving maybe, but it is, it is, it is a form of generosity. It's giving your time and attention, you know? Um, if you help somebody move, that's, that's generosity. You're giving them your time and energy, right? So it's not limited to just giving food to a starving person or things like that, but it's, it's any form of giving because we can give of ourselves in all sorts of ways. Because of our meditation practice, we can learn how to be more mindfully present, listening instead of waiting to talk, paying attention when attention is needed. And that's a form of generosity too. And we can also give stability. When our thoughts and feelings are unstable, we can cause all sorts of our harm to, and unhappiness to ourselves and others. So just sort of getting your life in order helps you to show up for the people in your life. And that can be a form of generosity too. And also we can give space. Staying away when someone wants time alone is a form of giving too. And we can give understanding when we pay attention to what others are going through, we can better understand how to interact with them in ways that are helpful. Generosity is a wonderful practice. And the Buddha said that when we are angry at someone, we can practice generosity toward them as a way to soften our anger. So the second one is the paramita of virtue. <clears throat> and sometimes this one is called ethics instead. And it's something we cultivate in two ways. One way is through our mindfulness training, and the second way is through precepts. And I'm just going to, um, <clears throat> I'm going to, as a way to talk about this, I'm going to tell you about the five mindfulness trainings, um, which is a teaching by Vietnamese Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh that is really uh, beloved. A lot of people really like this teaching. So I'm just going to talk about that as a way to talk about virtue. Practicing the five mindfulness trainings is a good way to transform our behavior in a positive way. Some of these overlap with other teachings like the precepts, and it would be repetitive to talk about both of them. So I'm just going to talk about Thich Nhat Hanh's five mindfulness trainings, and that will help you have an understanding of what we're talking about when we talk about the perfection of virtue, okay? So number one is protect other beings. This applies to humans as well as animals and plants. We should protect and help whenever possible. And number two, prevent the exploitation of humans and other beings. The normal way of doing things is often to step on others in order to get ahead in life. And we want to learn how to not do that. We want to not step on others. We want to not make others suffer for our own benefit. And number three is be faithful in relationships. Um, that's mostly self-explanatory, I think. We know that we should be faithful in relationships. Sometimes we make excuses and we really because we really don't want to, but we know we should. And the truth is that not being faithful in relationships can bring all sorts of chaos into your life, and that's not good for you or anyone, right? So... Be faithful in relationships. And 
course, not only that, but it deeply hurts another person, uh, probably other people, right? So not only can it bring chaos to your life, but it can really hurt people. And that training in virtue is about not hurting people, okay? So number four, practice deep listening and loving speech. So what is that? That is just we need to really be present and listen when people are saying things and care about what they have to say. And also we want to use our words to help others and benefit others, not to harm them. Okay. That's what, that's what we're talking about here. We want to speak words of kindness and help with our words because our words are very powerful. And then the fifth one is be mindful about your consumption. So, an aspect of virtue is don't take more than you need. Don't overeat. Don't create a whole lot of garbage in the world. Uh, some people take this to mean vegetarianism. And some people take this to mean um, don't drink alcohol. But it's really just know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And when you're consuming things, don't make excuses. Just know, well, I'm deciding. I'm deciding. I know having a beer is not the best choice, but I'm, I'm, being, I'm deciding to do it. Rather than the other thing is to just make excuses for doing it or to just do things and not pay attention to what you're doing. And that's where we get ourselves in trouble sometimes. So the next one is the paramita of patience. Patience. And this, in a Buddhist context, the word patience maybe has a bigger meaning than we might sometimes ascribe to it. So... In the Buddhist context, patience represents our ability to receive and transform our suffering. And some people call this the perfection of forbearance instead of patience. I don't like the word forbearance, and I think nobody knows what it means. So I'd rather use the word patience, but it's just our ability to receive and transform our suffering. So the Buddha compared acceptance to water. If you pour some salt into a glass of water, it's going to have a big impact. If you pour it into a river, it will have no impact at all. Um, this is kind of a creepy joke, but I saw a meme that said, people will swim in the ocean even though they know there have been many, many thousands of dead bodies in the ocean, but people will not swim in a pool if there's been one dead body in there. So um, that's creepy, right? But we want to be the ocean. We want to not be so impacted by things. We want to be the river with a little salt and not the glass of water with a little salt. We are the same way. If our ability to accept is small, then we will suffer a great deal, even when very minor things happen, like someone saying an unkind word or someone annoying us. But if our ability to except is large, then such things won't have quite the same impact on us. It's so easy to carry the weight of an unkind word. It's so easy to carry that weight or an action or an unkind action. This paramita represents our ability to receive, accept, and transform any pain and suffering that comes our way. We often tend to make things worse than they really need to be. And the truth is that a lot of the time we can have this unfortunate experience and 
thinking about it makes it worse than it is. And I'm not talking about like horrendous abuse or like your house burning down or something. I'm talking about the little things, the little things like somebody that has a bad tone with you and like they have a bad tone and you don't address it with them, but you just are thinking about it in your head and it's just bothering you and it's just digging roots in your mind. That sort of thing. We can let that go. We can. We have that power. And so next is the paramita of diligence. And some people call this um, enthusiastic effort, which means sort of the same thing. It represents our motivation on the path. This is really our devotion to cultivating the other five paramitas. It's the one that really keeps us inspired to continue rather than giving up when we don't feel like it. Okay. We can we can learn how to recognize the things that cause suffering in ourselves and others, and we should do what we can to lessen these things. We should learn how to inspire our own motivation. The Buddha sometimes described life in terms of watering seeds. The seeds of anger, jealousy, and despair exist in our minds, and we should try to refrain from watering them if we can. This means trying to bring happiness to ourselves and others. The perfection of diligence represents striving to water those positive seeds in our minds instead. And diligence is said to have three components. Uh, number one is courage, the development of character, the will to walk the path with a sense of conviction and also to motivate others by our desire to walk the path. Um, Number two is spiritual training, taking our practice in our own hands. This component represents expressing our commitment to practice, not just when we're in meditation, but in our daily lives as well. Talking about these concepts is great, but we really need to put them into practice at home too. Learning about, for example, the perfection of generosity is good, but you also actually need to put it into practice and be generous. And number three is benefiting others. The Buddha's path is helping us to lessen our suffering and clear away our delusion. And that is great. But another important aspect is our wish to not cause suffering from, from others. We call this the way of the Bodhisattva. It's our wish to at least, at the very least, not harm others. So next is the paramita of concentration, or sometimes it's called the paramita of meditation. Sometimes it's called the paramita of mindfulness, okay? And in this sense, it consists of two aspects. First is stopping. Our minds run th through our whole lives, chasing one idea after another. Stopping means to stop in the present moment, to settle our monkey minds down and be here now. Everything is in this moment. With this meditation, we can calm our minds. We can practice mindful breathing, mindful walking, mindful sitting, especially mindful sitting. This is also the practice of concentration, so we can live deeply each moment in our lives, touching the deepest levels of our being. The second aspect of meditation is looking deeply to see the true nature of things. This is where we really cultivate an understanding of ourselves and the world around us. And finally, the paramita of wisdom. And um, 
These six things are things we're cultivating together throughout our lives. Often the paramita of wisdom is considered like the most important. This is the highest form of understanding, free from concepts, ideas, and views. This is the seed of enlightenment that's within us, and this is what carries us to awakening. There's a lot of Buddhist literature on specifically the perfection of wisdom, including the Heart Sutra and the Diamond Sutra, which are texts I really recommend, but also they're um, heavy. They're very heavy texts, but I do really recommend them. What we can talk about, though, is looking deeply at the nature of things. Waves have a beginning and an end. Some are big and some are small, but they're all made of water. They all come from and return to the same ocean. And more importantly, they're never separate from the ocean. And why would I talk about waves? Because we are like waves. The ocean is the universe and we come from and return to the ocean, but we're never not separate from it. We think we are, but we're not. If we look deeply at ourselves and the world around us, we can come to understand we have the same nature as waves. We share the same ground of being as all other beings. And the perfection of wisdom represents our understanding of the oneness of things. And for that reason, it's considered the most important of the perfections. We come out of the world. We don't come into, people use that phrase, come into the world. We don't come into the world, we come out of it. We rise out of the world and we're part of everything. And this is a really hard thing to turn your mind on and to reflect on. And sort of that's why this is the sixth perfection. Like the other five are easier to reflect on and think about, I think. Although the truth is they're all difficult to cultivate. It's hard to really be generous. It's hard to really be virtuous and patient and diligent. So they all come together. All six come together. And that is the road to awakening. That is the spiritual path. So. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to this talk on the six perfections and have a good day. Thank you for listening and have a good day.